and he's stopped. Of course he's dead. The dosage was too large. You killed him. No, I did not. I gave him life. Come inside. Ignore the strange stickiness of the carpet beneath your feet. Find the right seat, the one without the missing arm and the exposed springs. Pull the candy bar out of your inside coat pocket. Look at the color swirls the canned music plays. Wait for the lights to go down. Listen for the telltale clacking of film being pulled through the gate. Relax. Watch. Because we all feel better in the dark. This is it. The show that we didn't just kill it. We brought it to life. <laughs> we, brought, we brought it back to life. This is Tom DJ. <laughs> and this is Derek Ferguson. And welcome to another spookerific episode of... Better in the, the Dark. Dark. This is going to be a pretty gruesome, grotty, gory little episode. Because well, that shouldn't bother you because this is one that, quite frankly, Tom has been wanting to do for about three months now. <laughs> He's been... Beating me over the head to put this on the schedule, and you know I do not like to disappoint my partner. So we so, are doing the Reanimator series. The Reanimator series. So we're going to spend this hour talking about this wonderful little nasty, gory, funny as all hell. Oh yeah, that's the original. Uh, the original poster. Herbert West had as a very good head on his shoulders, and another one in a dish on his desk. <laughs> Before we get into the movie, yeah. this. This is the one that came packaged with the... Oh, yes! With the, I should have brought it. I should have brought it with me to show you. Yeah! It came packaged with a g- bright green highlighter, because if you know the films, you know that the liquid that Herbert West uses is a bright phosphorescent green. So they made a highlighter that's in the shape of a hypodermic needle. It's totally cool. We should probably say a few things about a couple of people. we got a lot of people who joined us recently on the Better in the Dark mailing list. Okay. Including, we've talked in a previous episode about Parker, who yeah. runs his own really cool podcast called Bend the Media. Very cool, which I like because it's only about like 15 minutes, yeah. I think, on the average. If you want a nice, quick, down and dirty, informative review, yeah. it's great. And he's very focused, so it's... He did like yeah, very tight and very focused, and he gives you a lot of information, as well as his own... The business. first episode he did, which he talked about, epic movie, it cracked me the hell up. Oh, I, I, yeah. Cracked me the hell up. That hooked me. When yeah. I heard the one, the review he did on epic movie, that hooked me right there. And we want to thank all the new listeners. We got a big influx of new listeners over the last couple of weeks as of this recording. Tel Aviv! Did you see Tel Aviv? I have not seen Tel Aviv yet. Oh, I know. My, it's like 32 Jeez downloads in, in, in Tel Aviv. Um, we've seen... I may convert. I've seen uh, <laughs> the Philippines joined us. We've had a revival in Australia. But it's obvious that you people must be really liking us. We've noticed that there have been a lot of what we like to refer to as backtrackers. People who have listened to the most recent episode and then just go back and download the entire library. Yes, Guys, listen. welcome. We, listen, we do not take it for granted. Thank you. Thank you, and once again, thank you. It's opening up our map and seeing all these people who are listening to us and must be paying attention to us that makes us think that we did the right thing in starting this show. And it makes us keep on doing it. Oh, because yeah. Because it's apparent that you're listening to And I to want to, once, I mean, we're going to say this at the end of the show, but obviously I want to invite all our new listeners to join the Yahoo mailing group at movies.yahoo.com backslash groups backslash better in the dark. And if you're a little nervous about that, by all means, send us an email at better in the dark, better the letter N, 
thedark at gmail.com. And let us know what you think about the latest episode, about the latest movie you saw, whatever. We have been reading fan mail on the episodes. We do pay attention, we do think about your points, and we do broadcast them. Welcome, guys. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Brian Ibbett over at Coverville. We've been doing... Well, you haven't been noticing this because you haven't been doing them, but we've been doing special trivia segments. Better in the Dark, movie-related music trivia game for Brian. Roughly about every two to three months. The most recent one I did was about James Bond. If you love cover songs, Brian is the place to go at Coverville.com. He puts out three episodes a week, and it's really fun. Okay, cool. Herbert West. Let's go into reanimate. Let's now, reanimate, reanimate. The first question that I have to ask you, because yes. you're much more into I've seen only the first one reanimated. Right. Because I'm the man who does all the research, I saw all three over the last couple <laughs> of weeks. <laughs> Which isn't as bad a task as going through nine Halloween Halloween, films. I can't imagine. Now, the first question I have to ask you, the title of the movie officially is H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimated. Herbert, well, yeah. How much of this is actually... Based upon it is Lovecraft. updated a lot because it's set in modern day, but it's also, in the general sense, very close to the Lovecraft series of short stories. Okay. And in fact, in the excellent Herbert uh, West is an actual character. Yes, uh, from H.P. Lovecraft. Herbert story. West is a character in a series of very short. He only did six of them. They were serialized in successive issues of, I think it was Weird Tales. Weird Tales, yeah. Called Herbert West Reanimator. The origin of this film is actually kind of interesting. Stuart Gordon was the head of the, uh, the Living Theater in Chicago okay. with his wife, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, who you can see in the first film has the doctor who counsels Dr. Kane about death, the very first scene. Okay. They had decided they wanted to do a movie. At first, they were thinking about doing something a little more conventional, but he met Bob Weinberg, who unfortunately has passed away. Bob had suggested to him that they do a horror film because he was told horror films never lose money. He was a fan of Lovecraft's and came across the Herbert West things. At first, believe it or not, he put it together has a television series he pitched to PBS. Really? And PBS was appalled and said, No! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the guys that do Masterpiece yeah. Theater. Herbert West Reanimator is a long way from Elizabethan drama. And when he had his friend Dennis Paoli do a screenplay based on the six short stories, okay, submitted it to the board of the theater, and the theater said, we don't want to do a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have found him a bunch Gordon, of dentists. Gordon wanted... Yes, exactly. Gordon wanted <laughs> to do it. He had since run into a guy by the name of Brian Yunza, who's the other major behind the, the screen Yeah, Brian Yunza, name. right. Brian Yunza, who had raised money for another horror film that had gone through. Okay. So, so he's like, yeah, he's I'll put up the money for you to do this movie. So Stuart Gordon took a six-month leave of absence, moved out to Los Angeles... And made Reanimator. And an old hospital that had been damaged by an earthquake. So it was not usable as a hospital, so they had the whole building to themselves. It stands the test of time. It was made in 1984. Shot yeah, by 1984. I, yeah, yeah. Went through several casting changes. In fact, Barbara Crampton, who plays the female lead, Meg Halsey, mm. was not originally ch- the first choice to play the character. But the actress who was the first choice, her mother... 
hold her from the production because of a scene we're going to get to eventually. Yeah. You know which scene I'm talking Probably about. Probably the most infamous scene in the entire movie and what everybody seems to remember. And that's also the scene that apparently got David Gale's face slapped by his wife. Really? When they went to a screening of this film, David Gale's wife turned to him and said, how could you, and slapped his face. Some people cannot separate she life since, from art. Well, she has since reversed herself because she, she realizes how much that film did for his career. Yeah, I mean... Because that know, was a film on. that made minor stars out of a lot of the people in it. Yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Combs, even today, he most recently appears on uh, Star Trek Deep Space right. Nine and Enterprise. Well, you know, remember, he was the voice of the question in JLU. In JLU. But everybody still says that's the first thing that yeah. they say when it comes up. Oh, yeah, well, you were in well, Reanimator, yeah. you were in Reanimator. I think that the key of understanding this film is that it's one of these rare cases where you have all these people who were at a peak in their creativity yeah. coming together. Because you know that somewhere in Hollywood, somebody is thinking about remaking this movie right now. Oh, of course. There is no way they could do it without Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. This film would not have worked without Bruce Abbott, who plays Dr. Dan Kane. Yeah. Who is the only normal <laughs> human being in the movie. And to say, yeah, <laughs> he's the only one we can sympathize with. But anyway, maybe we should start talking about the movie proper. Go right ahead. Okay, we're talking about Reanimator, 1985, one of the few movies to at that time to go out without a rating. Right. Which because was interesting because Gordon had found out that there was a loophole is that the MPAA was voluntary, and he knew that if he oh, yeah. submitted it, it would be slagged. Except the younger. Because of the infamous scene that we're going to get yes. to primarily. But yeah, a lot of people think that, yes, that a movie has to have a rating. No, it doesn't. A movie can't be sent out without a rating. Yeah, although, of course, Reanimator is one of those films that have been cut and recut. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Cuts. In fact, I remember very vividly watching a version that they made for Fox Television. They actually did a cut for Fox Television, which was rather interesting because they smeared out a lot of like the animated dead bodies. Oh, they pixelated them? Yeah, okay. What's the point, though? The plot. It said in Miskatonic University in Arkham, Massachusetts, all references to yeah, those Lovecraft. Are all lo- yeah, those are all Lovecraft names. Dr. Dan Kane is on scholarship. He is engaged to marry the daughter of Dean Halsey. And he, however, does not want his girlfriend to move in with him. In fact, that's something Stuart Gordon says in the documentary. It's like, you know, this whole movie would not have happened if Dan just said, okay, move in with me. Yeah. <laughs> he needs money because he's a scholarship Only time kid. a guy got into trouble because he didn't right. have his girlfriend move in with him. And he ends up giving the, the roommate uh, position to one Herbert West. And we know Herbert West is a little loopy from that first right, scene. Right, from the first time you see him. When we see him in Sweden, where he has apparently done something to his mentor, who proceeds to have his eyes explode out of his head. This is a guy whose train left the tracks yeah. some time ago. But the great thing about Jeffrey Combs's performance in this is that, yeah, he's definitely... Two burgers shy of a Happy Meal. But he's also very charismatic. He's obviously very smart. Know who he reminds me of a lot? I think uh, I know who you're talking about. Peter say. Cushing's okay. version of Dr. Frankenstein. I thought you were going to say Tony Perkins. No. Okay. Because they're both men of science. Yeah. But the way Peter Cushing played his Dr. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein, he wasn't a raving lunatic like yeah. that. He was charismatic. He could play it off like he was a normal guy until yeah. you got in the way of him and his science. Right. <laughs> And the, one of the people who's in the way of Herbert West's science is Dr. Hill, played by 
the alas no longer with us but very distinctive character actor David Gale. Okay. Very tall man, very distinctive face, very distinctive eyes. Yeah, very elegant looking. Dr. Hill has apparently a reputation for plagiarism. To be precise, he apparently has stolen stuff from this mentor of Herbert. Of Herbert, yeah. And in fact, when we first see Gale teaching a class, Herbert keeps breaking the pencils (laughs) (laughs) to disrupt him. And what we find out is that Herbert West is doing a little bit of extracurricular research on the side. To say, the, in fact, it's funny that when he goes to check out the house, the first thing he says, "Does this place have a basement?" Yeah, have a basement, yeah. <laughs> yes. that's, that's the only one that doesn't have a basement because he needs to see every good right. man's side to needs a place to put his. Dan's cat disappears, <laughs> and Dan and Meg go looking around, and they find the cat in Herbert West's refrigerator. Once again, I love I love these reactions. The first thing West says when he discovers Meg in his room with the refrigerator open, looking at the dead cat is, who told you you can come into my room? <laughs> I, I was under the impression I was renting a private room. Completely blows by the fact yeah. that there's a dead cat. Well, no, he explains, he's like, well, I found him dead. You wonder if he's just lying through his teeth because it's like a ring of truth to it. It's like, I found him dead. He had got his head stuck in a can and suffocated. Mm. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I had to go to Calais. What do you want me to do? Put a note on the refrigerator? Cat dead? Details later? A little, I, I yeah, at, yeah. I mean, you would say, okay, it's a little bit weird, yeah. but you could see that. But it turns out he's working on on reanimating the dead. He dun, dun, dun. managed to do In fact, he proves this to Dan by reanimating the cat. The thing is, though, there's something wrong because the cat goes wango-tango on them. Uh-huh. And that's one of the great things about this film. I mean, there's a really good mixture of horror and comedy because that whole sequence where they're running around trying to catch the cat again. I have found that a lot of the best horror movies mm-hmm. are like that. They have an element of humor mm-hmm. in them where you can... Take it straight if you want, but you don't have to. Reanimate, yeah, it does have that. It's got a lot of funny moments in it that you look at it, and it's really horrible, hideous stuff going yeah. on. And you say, should I be laughing at this? And then you go ahead and laugh. And it me. gets worse and worse. Each preceding ten minutes, something even worse happens. I, I think part of the thing is there's such a great chemistry between Bruce Abbott, who plays Dan Kane, and Jeffrey Combs. Right. You can almost believe it because Combs is incredibly charismatic. You can almost believe that Dan would overlook the fact that he's a fucking nut job. <laughs> Eventually, they sneak into the morgue where Dan works to try and get a fresh body. A fresh body, because of course they got they, they to keep up in the ante now. now they and <laughs> they reanimate a corpse that was played by the stand-in for Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's why he's so incredibly built. Really? And things go horribly wrong. Dean Halsey is killed. <laughs> and of course, what does uh, Herbert do? You can't get a body more fresh. There you go. And reanimate him, but he's not doing right. Dr. Hill takes over as the dean of study, and we find out that Dr. Hill has had a rather unhealthy obsession with Megan. Oh, For okay. some time. And then he goes and tries to plagiarize Herbert West. Bad mistake. Bad mistake, already. because Herbert West knows something about the ancient art of shovel food. <laughs> <laughs> this leads, of course, to the most infamous scene in the film, because after he's killed Dr. Hill... He can't resist trying it out on just his head. He brings the head back to life, just the head. I think the way they explain it is because the head was so fresh and because he injected it so close to the brain, Uh it gives Dr. Hill weird telekinetic power so he's able to control his body. But of course the body can't see and there's actually a wonderfully hilarious scene where he's trying to sneak into the morgue Uh and he's got his head in the bag and they've got (laughs) an anatomy dummy (laughs) 
<laughs> with surgical scrubs with sur- on. With a surgical mask. He does. And the bag is peeking yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the zipper is partway open so the head can see. They kidnap <laughs> Meg Halsey. He has the dean oh kidnap Meg Halsey, bring him to the morgue, has her stripped, tied down, and here's the scene that got the previous ex's mother pulled her from, because there's Barbara Crampton, very obviously naked. Obviously. And there's the head of David Gale being held by David Gale's body, body. going down on her. There's no other way there's to put no it. Other there's way no other way we can put it, folks. The head gives head. <laughs> I knew you were going to say you waited. You've been waiting to say that. Yes. But... It is what it is, folks. There's no other way to say it. West and Kane come in, and, and it turns out that his telekinetic powers work on other... On other things as well. Other yeah. things as well, because Gale has prepared... He knew that West was coming, so he prepares other bodies and controls them. Yeah. So there's like a big, goofy fight. During the course of it, Meg is killed, and it ends with Dan crying, going to do the and one... And he sees the little green glowing right? uh, syringe, and it's... You know what, this movie has a lot of common, uh, a movie that was made years later, and I do believe mm. that Stephen King was a big fan of yeah. this movie, because Pet Cemetery is practically same plot, bringing people yeah. back from the dead, and as a matter of fact, the guy in Pet Cemetery he buries a cat. And the back, cat comes back. And the cat is all wonky, right. and then he buries his son, and these guys don't learn their lesson. Right. Just, no, no matter how badly they keep fucking up, mm-hmm. they keep doing it and doing it again. Although, think about this film, and this is something that's going to come apparent when we talk about the next two films, is that it's very simple. Yep. It's very quick. It's less than 90 minutes. Yeah. It's a very nice, tight movie, right. too. Yeah. And to Stuart Gordon's surprise, because he thought it wasn't going to get much of a release, Yunza made a deal with Charles Band's Empire Entertainment to have it released to theaters. It got a lot of great reviews. It was a critical, a critical, a critical, a critical, a critical success before it was a commercial success. Yeah. Although it became a commercial success, it made its money back and then some. Oh man, the movie made a ton. And that's Tr- why, it, loads of yeah, money. that's why, of course, it ended up being recut as an, an R rating, so more people yeah, could see could it. See it. Word got around. They, oh, yeah, you got to see this movie. It's scary. And it's it, funny. And, and, and then, of course, when people wanted to see it for the scene with the head, right. of course, when people said, "What? That's in the movie? Yep. Let me." Go see it. <laughs> it ended up giving Stuart Gordon a new career. Empire Entertainment, based on this film, signed him to a three-picture deal. Yeah, and he has since gone on. I've gone a little underground lately. He's moved to England. He's but he's been doing very successfully as a filmmaker ever since. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what one. And it also what, yeah. what one so-called little movie can do. Yeah, for and it is also, it? I mean, you look at this cast. I want to mention some other names besides the ones that we've already mentioned. In addition to Coombs and Abbott and Barbara Cramp- the thing about Barbara Crampton I thought was always interesting is that she's not exactly a bombshell, but you can see her has the cute girl next door. Okay. I think also, once again, because unlike most films, Stuart Gordon, because of course he comes from theater, had them rehearse the film. Right. The first scene that they shot was the sex scene between Dan and Meg mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the film. Barbara Crampton says because they spent three weeks rehearsing the film, there was already an intimacy between yeah. the two of them so that she felt totally comfortable right. with this love scene. Robert Sampson was the other actor I wanted to bring up. He plays Dean Halsey, who is also not a well... Like I said, there's only <laughs> one truly normal human being in this film, and that's Dan Kane. <laughs> Everybody else is five different shades of weird. Even the guard at the, the morgue. Uh-huh. He's like making these really 
gross jokes every time Dr. Kane passes, you know, reading Playboy outside <laughs> while all this is going on. It's a great film. It still holds up. Oh, yeah. The special yeah. effects are obviously a little on the creaky side now, but then we're looking at something that's over 20 years old. Now, let me ask you something, something that I've heard a lot of discussion mm-hmm. about lately. Do you think that movies like this that they should retouch them with digital with current oh, no. digital effects no. and tweak the special effects? If they decide to you know do a, a George Lucas in this film, uh-huh. I think it would cause a dissonance. Okay. Because the film looks like it belongs at the bottom and I say this as a compliment, not as right. a Right, yeah, I got I, at I, the I, bottom of a double feature at a drive in. Right. It's meant to look kind of skeevy and nasty and This is a perfect example of what is meant by Grindhouse. Right. This movie was meant and This I, was maybe the last big I, Grindhouse yeah, picture. And I remember seeing this on Forty Second right. Street, which was back then you know where all the Grindhouse Because even though was Gordon did a number of other horror films and genre films that were released on the Grindhouse circuit as it was dying mm-hmm. this was the only one that was re- From Beyond which was the next From HBO Beyond, right. was not as big a hit and that was also supposedly based on yeah. Lovecraft because then all of a sudden we had this whole right. glut of supposedly Lovecraft movies Lovecraft is one of these writers who's very very hard to adapt to a visual medium yeah. description was not his strong point because he was very big on describing things that were unimaginable right. and difficult to explain that you could Squamous you know, he came up with all these arcane descriptors. Oh, he gave his thesaurus a workout. But he was always describing things and, and saying stuff like, well, it was too fantastical to describe. Yeah. So how do you put something on screen that's mm-hmm. too fantastical to describe? So this one was a pretty big hit, but Stuart Gordon was not interested in revisiting it. Not so Brian Yunza. <laughs> And Yunza, I want to give Yunza some credit. I mean, he's going to get slagged a little bit over the, the course of the next 40 minutes. He is a competent director. So there are a couple of other films that he that are not part of this series. There's particularly one called Society mm-hmm. that I really, really, really like. I do recommend that film if you get a hold of that. I don't even know if it's on DVD yet. He decided he wanted to do another reanimator and, in fact, made a deal with, I think it was a German company... To, uh, to put together three films, a package of three films that were going to come out as midnight films. In theaters, they were going to have a run as midnight films for about two weeks and then go out direct-to-video, which is, at that time was where you saw it was the second market for most of these right. films. The first one of these three films, in fact, Society was one of the other ones, the, the name of this package was called the Wild Street Production Package. To the best of my knowledge, these three films were the only thing done under the Wild Street production banner. The third film was Society, which we, uh, I mentioned briefly. But the first film was Bride of the Reanimator. <laughs> you can't go wrong with it. 1990. Like it makes a lot of sense because there's a great documentary on this two DVD called Reanimator Resurrectus. Okay. And a lot of it is the, an interview with Stuart Gordon. Okay. And he mentioned that the reason he decided to do Herbert West has their first film was he said... There were a lot of vampire movies being made at that time, and a lot of werewolf movies, but not a lot of Frankenstein movies, circa 1980. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So he said, let's do a Frankenstein movie. So it's logical that the next film in the series is Bride of Reanimator. Brian Yunza directs from now on. Was he director before he became a producer? I think, no, no, he was a producer first. Okay. I think, in fact, this was his first film that he directed. Okay. But he's got chops. I do want to emphasize that. He does know what he's doing behind the camera. He managed to convince 
Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott to come back. Which probably wasn't that hard considering yeah. the money that they probably were able to make from And the, even one. though it's been five years, <laughs> they don't look all that much different. Really? The film takes place, I think they place it as eight months after the Miskatonic Massacre. That's the first thing you see on the screen is is a, a card saying, eight months at the Miskatonic Massacre. We find Herbert and Dan in Peru. Acting as volunteer medics for they, revolutionaries. They ran as far as they yeah, could get. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But of course, it's Herbert West, so you know he's still doing oh, bullshit. Yeah. In fact, they get run out because he uses his little reagent on somebody. Uh-huh. Guy goes crazy, and he has to shoot him dead at the wrong time when other people are looking. Oh, okay. Herbert's onto this new kick now. It's not just reanimating the dead. Because he's discovered that there are certain enzymes created by a certain breed of lizard down in Peru. Ah. That if you put them together, you actually can create a version of the primordial ooze. And could actually use it to create life. And I'll become God! <laughs> These guys never He learned. makes this breakthrough and says to Dad, it's time for us to go home. And, and, and what does Dan say? Because Dan's a little bitch. He goes, oh, okay. Instead of doing some shovel for yeah. on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you, crazy? Yeah, right. Didn't we just go through this shit? Yeah. So they, I, this is one of the big plot holes in the script. They end up back at Miskatonic Hospital. How the hell did they get their jobs back? <laughs> How the <laughs> fuck did that happen? Miss Katana can't be run yeah. very well and does, for them to have got away with the shit they got away with right. in the first movie. There is a new head of the morgue. Dan is now doing general practitioner. He's no longer a morgue assistant. Okay. And in fact, one of his patients is played by Kathleen Kinman. We don't see her because she's in a bed most of the time. She's six plus feet tall. Wow. The wife of Lorenzo Lamas. And is a stunt woman. Really? You'll find out why as we get closer into this. And he begins to feel sympathy pangs for her because she's dying of some ill-defined disease. Okay. Meanwhile, Herbert West, of course... Allie McGraw's disease. Herbert West, being Herbert West, breaks into the morgue and discovers a secret room, a locker, where all the body parts from the Miskatonic Massacre (laughs) are still being kept because even though the bodies are dead, they're not decaying. I could just see his eyes lighting And in fact, up. there's this scene where he comes across the severed head of Dr. Hill and uh-huh. just starts mocking it, going like, oh, well, who's the big genius now? Uh-huh. Look at you, you're just a head. <laughs> kind of like a shout back to the immortal line from the first one where he goes, look at you, why don't you just get a job at a sideshow? <laughs> he makes away with the heart of Meg Halsey. He's like, well, listen... And don't take a brain surgeon to realize that Herbert, he's not going to let this shit go right. no matter what, no matter who it hurts, who gets killed. That's a theme that always happens in these types of movies, yeah. these Frankenstein type mm-hmm. of movies, is that everything around them turns to shit, everything is yeah. destroyed, but they keep on going on. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing's happened. They now, meanwhile, the new mortuary head has discovered a little bit of the reagent and is being questioned by this police detective who's played by... Claude Earl Jones. Okay. Who, it turns out, his wife was one of the corpses that were reanimated during the Miskatonic Massacre. And one of the ones that are still in one piece. Because there are three that are still in one piece. Okay. And he's been obsessed with solving the case ever since. Okay. Meanwhile, Dr. Mortuary attendant guy is experimenting with the reagent and does this by injecting a dead bat. Another genius. 
And then, like an idiot, decides to do it to Dr. Hill. Uh-huh. So Dr. Hill wakes up, and he's still got his weird-ass tech... To, so he... And I don't know how Brian Yenzo decided this was a good idea. Okay. Somehow, during the course of the film, convinces this doctor to graft the bat wings onto his head. <laughs> so not only is Dr. Hill a living head, he's a living, it's flying head. head. Okay. <laughs> so meanwhile, police detective is trying to chase Herbert West. Because okay. he's kind of figured out Herbert West was responsible. Herbert, meanwhile, is like going, look, I can create life. And he puts this little weird thing together with four fingers and an eyeball and treats it with the primordial ooze and it becomes this little spider thing oh my God. that's running around the house. So these guys are just stitching bodies together. Yeah. And well, this is the thing. He convinces together and just bringing them back to life. Well, he and does this around. for a reason because he goes, look what I found. It's Meg's heart. We can rebuild her. I can give her back to you. And it's to Jeffrey Combs' credit that we don't know if he's doing this because he genuinely is showing remorse for putting his friend through this, or if he figures, this is the carrot. Uh, yeah, well, that's it. This is how I can suck him in even deeper. Yeah. Because he needs an assistant. Meanwhile, you know, shit. Bruce Abbott has found out that this girl that he liked who was part of The Shining Path, this Italian girl who's played by Fabiana Undiano, Nice name. Has relocated to Arkham. He starts having a relationship with her. And he's also kind of attracted to the Kathleen Kinmont character, who is dying by degrees. Meanwhile, Herbert West is sneaking into the morgue and stealing body parts to make this Meg creature. <laughs> then, of course, the detective gets too close, so Herbert West has to kill him, but he brings him back because they don't want people to wonder where the hell happened to the because police detective. Yeah, because if he goes missing, so he's got to bring him back to life. Right, and then the police detective falls under the sway of Dr. Hill. Who's flying around, who's with, around with the bat wings. around with the bat wings on his head, okay. Oh, and eventually what happens, Kathleen Kimmott dies, becomes the final parts of this weird titular write-up reanimator. I, I, when you mentioned about that he found a heart was going to yeah. bring it back, I said, he's going to use the chick that's dying. And I thought, yeah, the I chick that's that. dying. He's like, look, I brought her back. And like Dan's like, oh, I don't want that, because he's, of course... Sleeping with the hot Italian chick. Yeah, well, he's doing what he's doing. And meanwhile, Dr. Hill is attacking. He's moving on with his life. He's getting laid while Herbert West is digging up bodies and bringing them back. Meanwhile, Dr. Hill attacks, and he's not alone because, of course, as we know, Dr. Hill likes to be prepared. So he's created these wacky, kind of unmen looking son of bitches. Uh huh. Stuart Gordon mentioned that he was friends with Bernie Wrightson, and he was inspired in the cinematography to make it look like a Bernie Wrightson picture. Oh, cool. In this movie, it's obvious. That uh-huh. there's a Bert Bertie Wright's name right because these things look like the unmen from the swamp thing. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> the basic problem with this film, and it's an okay film, it's not a bad film, more or less, yeah. is that whereas Stuart Gordon keeps things simple, Brian Yunza, here's yeah. Doctor Hills back, and he's got bat wings, and here's a little finger spider, and and instead of having one romance, right, he's got. Three of them yeah, going on. Yeah, he's got you know he's getting laid all over the place. Well, he doesn't ever actually sleep with the Kathleen Kinmont character, but it's obvious that he's attracted to her. Right. Part of the, the reason why this film doesn't suck as much as it could have is because, of course, you've got Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott back, well, and yeah, that chemistry is chemistry, still, yeah, especially now that that, that you it's could, one of the, that's probably right. what's holding the movie together from what it sounds like to me. Yeah, especially that now that you've got Bruce Abbott. You, at this point, Dan is like, "Oh no, I'm not doing. <laughs> no, no, time out." No. At one point, he's like, "You're going. You're leaving the house. That's uh-huh. it. No. Go to your room." And the humor factor in this one? That's the other thing. Is the humor factor is not as big. It's not as bad as the last one, which is 
thoroughly unhumorless. Oh, okay. But the humor is cranked down a lot less, and I think that also makes it feel a, a much lesser film than it probably should have been. That would do all the added subplot yeah. thrown in. With no I mean, the special effects are really good and gooey and gross, done by the Japanese-American artist Screaming Mad George, who is a character in and of himself. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Who dresses up like a samurai uh-huh. and when he shows up for work. In fact, he does not all of it, but some of the effects work in the next film, which took 13 years to be made. Why so long? Brian Yunza went through a couple of life changes. He moved to Spain, founded a company called Fantastic Factory, and proceeded to do a series of films, mostly directed by him, some directed by Gordon, some directed by other people. Mm-hmm. The idea was because, of course, Spain, that he was able to get more for his buck. It was primarily a Spanish cast with a couple of American names, so that there's some appeal for international Speaking of Bucks, how did the Bride of the Reanimator do it? Keep in mind, Bride of the Reanimator was done specifically to go to midnight shows. That's why. It was done one weekend, I think. They never did a second weekend. See, I think the attention was always to make its money on DVD. To make most of it. On video. At that time, video, yeah. I saw this at a press screening. Remember the the show? MTV used to have a movie show? He was there. Remember, because we we actually talked because he was having this kind of semi-mock feud with Desi Fuentes at the time, and I thought Desi Fuentes was hot. Oh, who didn't? That was back when I was watching MTV Espanol, just because... Yeah, just because she was... Right. I have no idea what you're saying, woman. Just stand there. Yeah, but if you listen to it long enough... You can pick up what they're saying because believe it or not, when I was younger, I yeah. used to watch the telenovela. Oh yeah, just because of the hot women. <laughs> and after a while, you know, I'm sitting there and you yeah. would swear I understand what they're saying. And after a while, yeah, you get to because it's a soap opera. I mean, so he started this Fantastic Factory. He did a number of films that were released theatrically internationally, but only went direct video and later to DVD. Big names there are Crying Freeman. Oh, yeah. The live-action adaption of that. Mark Dacascos. The live-action adaption of Faust. Okay. The gore-soaked superhero done by David Quinn. Okay. An adaption of Dagon, the H.P. Lovecraft. An adaption of the Matthew Costello book, Beneath Still Waters. Mm -hmm. And... In 2003, the last film in the series to date, although there is another one coming up, which we'll get to. Okay. Beyond Reanimator. Once again, directed by Brian Yunza. Jeffrey Combs is now the only original cast member to be in all films. No Bruce Habit. There is a reference at one point where he mentions that my last partner turned state's evidence on me. Because we find uh, Herbert West in this film in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Lock his ass. Yeah. The first thing we see is we see a sequence, and Brian Young like, seems to like to add stuff in rather yeah. than do what Stuart Gordon did in the first one and just keep things very, very, very streamlined. Very tight and very focused. Because it's a flashback to the Miskatonic Massacre, and we meet young Howard Phillips. Oh, okay. And Howard Phillips is camping out with his best friend when he hears a weird noise coming from his house. He goes inside to check on his teenage sister, and everything seems fine until a zombie with no jaw attacks her and kills her, and then proceeds to try to drink milk, which is kind of hard to do when you well, don't have you don't have a low, don't jaw. Have a low jaw. It's like the tongue is like going. Gotcha. He runs out of the house to get help. Somehow, I guess his house is really close to Miskatonic <laughs> Hospital, and arrives just in time to see the cops packing Herbert West away in a squad car, and he comes across a vial oh, 
of the reagent. And he's looking at the reagent and looks up at the thing, and Herbert West turns and looks at him, and that's the beginning of the film. Dan Cain turns state's evidence, and he has been doing... Got smart. <laughs> he's been doing life in prison <laughs> in the Arkham Prison Facility. Okay. Which is run by a real whack doodle. You mean they resisted the urge to call Arkham Asylum? Yeah. And a guy who is so right-wing, George W. must think, oh man, you're extreme. <laughs> okay. Um, and he is being profiled by the local television station, and they have sent a reporter to interview him, played by Elsa Pataki. Now, at that time, young Howard Phillips has grown up to be Dr. Howard Phillips. Okay. And he's about to do his internship at the prison. Same one where yes. Herbert West. And in fact, know. it's funny because they're like, oh, well, why the hell are you doing an internship at a prison? He goes, well, I want to study medicine of the worst conditions. The but we learn also that Dr. Howard Phillips has specifically asked for Dr. Herbert West to be his, assi- his trustee. Ooh, Okay. Now, meanwhile, of course, because this is Doctor, what this is Herbert West, he's been doing some wacky experiments in this prison cell, catching rats. Why should a little thing like being in prison stop Herbert West from doing what he does best, which is, is just screwing shit up? <laughs> he's been catching rats, electrocuting them, and catching this little thing in a little vial when they die. What little thing? Okay, well, we're going to get to that. Because Dr. Phillips explains, oh, I've studied your work. I know who you are. I know what you've done. I want you to mentor me. He explains, you know, my sister died during the Miskatonic Massacre. Mm-hmm. I always felt I should have been able to save her. I want to be able to do that for other people. Okay. You're going to help me. And, of course, even though he thinks he's in the driver's seat, it's only a matter okay. of hours before... He's only in the driver's seat because Herbert yes, thinks exactly. he's in the driver's seat. And then Herbert explains that what he's been doing because he's noticed that there is a difference. This is an actual true fact, that a dead body is usually about 16 ounces lighter than the living body. That when a person dies, they lose a minuscule amount of weight. He's theorizing that this is the soul... And he has found a way, using electrocution, to trap the soul before it escapes to wherever it is it's going. This is his theory. It's like, well, I've raised the dead, but they're always wrong. They're always <laughs> messed up. <laughs> My theory is, is because I've done it without their soul. Maybe it's because you shouldn't be bringing you back the dead, right. Did anybody ever... Did and maybe stop, if did I... Did you ever ca- stop thinking that, Herbert? <laughs> so his theory is, if I capture the soul... And then reintegrate it into the body, they'll be okay. Meanwhile, the rat that Herbert has experimented on, the one that we saw at the beginning of the film, belonged to this L.A. gang member who's not very happy about Herbert killing his rat. I wouldn't be. And then there's this, this other inmate who is a cannibal serial killer who, since being in prison, has found God, so he's been turning to God to, so that he can, has the strength to deny himself being a cannibal. <laughs> this cannibal guy okay. ends up dead, but he's not supposed to be dead. So they inject him with the reagent. Of course! But the only soul that West has the is the rat, the rat soul. <laughs> so he injects the rat oh, soul. Oh, that's what's in the vial. Yes! Okay. He injects rat soul into this guy, and this guy is running around going, No, I want to eat, but I cannot eat. I am a bad person. Uh-huh. And ends up eating the breast of, of the infirmary nurse. Oh, my God. 
Meanwhile, Dr. Phillips and Back the hot the nut house. <laughs> Dr. Phillips and the hot reporter have become uh, an item. An item, okay. And then she dies. You can't make this type of stuff. Oh, no, it gets oh, better. Fact, they did make yes, this they stuff. Yes, It gets better because she dies and the only soul the, <laughs> the warden has gotten wackier and wackier and wackier, so he has to die. Uh-huh. And the only soul that they have on on tap is the warden soul. The warden soul. So they migrate the warden soul into the reporter. <laughs> so the reporter is, on some level, still the reporter who's in love with Dr. Phillips. And oh, Dr. Oh, Phillips. But on the other hand, she's now this sadistic she, warden. So she's going from being a weak, kind, sexy... Oh, and uh, flipping and yeah. being just like a warden. Meanwhile, the warden has figured in, he's just like totally nuts because he doesn't have a soul. And he's like going, <laughs> he, he grabs hold of the reagent because uh, there's this like druggie. Mm-hmm. Who steals some of the reagent from Herbert? Okay, because he thinks it's drugs. How much of this shit did he have? <laughs> he thinks it's drugs, so he's shooting himself up <laughs> with it. I go, oh man, what a rush! A true joke. Until eventually, his body just explodes. A true joke. Yeah, because he's alive. Yeah, his body just explodes because his parts of his body are gaining sentience. Okay, yeah, that's what happens when a live right. person is injected mm-hmm. with Okay. Now, meanwhile, individual parts of his body. So, warning guy has going like, now I can my my view on capital punishment. You've always been scum, mm-hmm. so you don't just die; you will die forever. Like so he's hanging the inmates like and injecting him with the reagent. So they're dying and coming back, and dying and coming back, and dying and coming back. Sounds like there wasn't too much difference between them before he had yeah. when, oh, when he's he a, had his soul and when he did You get the impression one. he was a total whack job at the beginning <laughs> of the film. And there's like a big prison riot that breaks out and an L.A. gangbanger. And in the meantime, Herbert West is saying, yeah. I ain't got nothing to do right. with it. <laughs> Meanwhile, and the gangbanger gets cut in half, but he's already been injected with the reagent by the drug addict guy. Uh-huh. So now he's torso running around deciding to get revenge on Herbert for the rat. Because of course what Herbert does is he reanimates the rat and says, oh here's here's your rat, I didn't kill it. But the rat ain't got no soul. And the rat ain't got no soul because biting his gonad. And it's like a prison riot and like you have like the half gangbanger guy going around trying to strangle. How's he getting around though? He's like swinging on the pipes and stuff. <laughs> Chasing after Herbert, and he's like fighting, and Herbert gets into like a fist fight with him. With the torso. With the torso. It's, oh my god. If Bride of Reanimator was too much, Beyond Reanimator is way, way, way too yeah. much. Yeah. There is just so much yeah. crap going on. Not any of these new characters are really any. They don't add anything. They're not as interesting. And you don't by have far. anything like the relationship yeah. between Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott. And Bruce Abbott, Abbott yeah. or Bruce Abbott and Barbara Crampton right. in the first one. And the, the warden is no Doctor Hill, and it's just all over the place. Jason Barry plays Doctor Phillips. He has no reason for being on a screen. Right. He's really dull. It's obvious to me that the series is totally broken down when, as the credits are rolling, we have this zombified rat running around. Yeah. Plus, one of the characters gets his penis oh chopped off. <laughs> and mind you, he, like pretty much everybody in the cast, has been injected with the reagent. Oh my god. So, as the credits me? roll, we get to see a fist fight between a rat and an animated penis. And the penis wins. 
it ends on an open note, by the way. Okay. It ends with <laughs> Dr. West. I've heard enough. Yes. Herbert West does escape. Oh, well, of course. He does escape from prison and he's free. Apparently, although I don't know how this is going to change because Yunza's company over in Spain, Fantastic Factory, is no more. You're right. But there is a fourth one in production right now. I don't know what its name is, but get this has a plot. What? President of the United States is killed by terrorists. To prevent anybody from knowing that the president is dead, the CIA tracks down Herbert West and charges him with reanimating the president. And you know who they got to play the press? I swear to God I'm making this up. Cool. William H. Macy. Now see, I'd see that. I would pay to see I, William H. Macy. I'd go see that, yeah. Just see William H. Macy. H. Macy has a crazed zombie president. I'd go see that. Without a question. Just to see him and Jeffrey Combs, actually. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the yeah. thing is, even in Beyond Reanimator, where, like, the thing is all over the place, and it's, there's still Jeffrey Combs's charisma, and what little works in the film is because Combs is able to take large portions of he's, it on his back. He's that good of an actor that he can carry that load. Yeah. And I guess I should I agree, also yeah. make reference to the, you thought that the, the fight between the, the zombified rat and the penis was the low point of the series? Well. Uh-uh-uh. No. There's something even lower. How low can you go? The techno-disco version. Oh, no, no. Don't even I'm know. not making this up. It's on the Beyond Reanimator DVD. Mm-hmm. There is a disco techno that apparently was only used in the international prints called Move Your Dead Bones by a artist called DJ Reanimator, <laughs> which is... Far more horrifying than anything in this movie. I got you. It's not even like good techno music. I it's feel, I feel you. Europop style oh, techno music. Oh, uh, that's even worse. I just sat there. That kind of stuff. Because I'm like thinking, that, that stuff that makes you want to bang your right. head against a toilet Yeah, because it just said, reanimator, move those dead bones. Like, okay, this is maybe, this is a, a making up feature or something. Yeah. So I clicked on it, and God help me, I wish I could tear out my eyes. There is a making of feature that lasts about 45 minutes, but it's in Spanish. What? Well, remember, this was made in Spain. Oh, okay. So it's in Spanish. But there's no subtitle? You can't access the subtitle. At first, it was like very disorienting. Like, well, yeah. Well, I can imagine. Preandry Animator. Don't bother. Don't bother. Maybe if you, you want to endure it, you can deal with Bride of the Reanimator. But I mean, I think the problem is, since Yunza has taken over, he's felt compelled to just add more and more yeah, stuff. Yeah, just throw everything in the, what I like to call a kitchen sink yeah. block. Especially in Beyond. Because like, when you're dealing with, oh look, here's the drug addict. Now that's kind of funny. When last we see this character, West is, is passing him by and he's reduced his bones and like <laughs> chunks of meat Coming off it, I have these wild, you know, lifeless eyes. He's like, oh, come on, you gotta give me some more, man! What a rush! But that's what drug addicts do. Drug addicts will shoot anything that they think will get them high. But yeah, pick up this so Anchor Bay release. Go ahead and bottom line it for okay. us real quick. And first, Reanimator. Reanimator is a classic. If you love horror films, you owe it to yourself to see this at least once. But it's on this low-priced double-disc set. Okay. From Anchor Bay, so you, there's no excuse for you not to have it in your collection. Bride of Reanimator. Eh, if you like, Bride of the Reanimator is okay. It's. It sounds like you would really like to be able to recommend that, though. It needed a, a tighter script okay. by something fierce. It, there are a lot of elements that it could have done without. I could have done without. In fact, you could have pretty much taken Doctor Hill out entirely. Yeah. And worked with this 
police detective as yeah, the main right. opponent. Younger wrote the script for this one. It, it kind of plays fast and loose with the continuity so that it's, the police detective has a lot more awareness of himself than anybody else who's had the injection before. The, the, yeah, the, the reagent. Maybe you might want to, but it's not that great. Beyond reagent? Oh, no. No. No way in Please, no. No, no, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see Move Them Dead Bones. You don't want to see... Oh, no. <laughs> okay. The film becomes just totally incoherent about 50 minutes in, and the site... So is it about two hours long? It's about an hour and 40 minutes long. Oh, okay. And just the sight of rat and penis. Yeah, rat and penis. Yeah, that I can yeah, bops. Yeah, it's going to take me a long time to get that image out of my head. <laughs> Okay, well, definitely reanimate. Yes. I'm definitely going to get that one for myself. Then. And I'm looking forward to the fourth film. Because I have seen it years ago, and I do have it on VHS somewhere around here. Yeah. Like I've been showing you, I've been digging out my yeah. old VHS tape. I haven't found it yet, but I want the DVD copy. Fourth film looks like it's going to be hell of fun. Yeah, yeah, that I'd like to see. Just to see Jeffrey Combs and uh, William H. Yeah. Macy, and like you said. I'm hoping that Davey Stewart Gordon can be given coming back. To be honest, I mean, Yunza has been a very good in being a, a caretaker, but Gordon is just a better director overall. All right, that is it for that's th- it for this edition of Veteran in, in the Dark, Dark. our reanimator episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and as usual, Tom is going to take us out of here with various bits of information that I personally want you to pay close attention. Okay, to. if you have words of praise, indifference, love, hate. If you want to just... Send money. Yeah, well, money, we're, we're still... We are making arrangements so you will be able to send money. Please email us at better in the dark. That's better, the letter N, the dark, at gmail.com. You are always welcome to join us on our Yahoo mailing list. There is a, an approval process, but I always get to those within 24 hours. It's just to keep the spam bots out. You can get to us there at movies.yahoo.com backslash groups backslash better in the dark please every month you have to do this every month because it starts all over again vote for us on podcast alley and also come up with one of our friends on the uh, podomatic page which is better in the dark.podomatic.com and hell you could probably find me at uh, on either my myspace or my facebook. Uh, facebook facebook so you can get news as it becomes available Cool. Although the best way to get the news is, of course, to through the Yahoo mailing list. And it has gotten better, so you'll be getting lots of extra content as everybody starts debating stuff about Cyclops. Yeah, and, I, and I've recently started posting movie reviews, movie reviews. on there, too. So that's I would like to write, I want to write something about uh, Death Proof one of these days. I'm going to get around to it. Okay, cool. You know? As a matter of fact, if you got a movie review of your own you want to yeah. post up there, please, by all means, go right ahead and do it. You don't discriminate. Yeah, exactly. It's something that maybe we think is strong enough for a show. We will do it and we'll mention you on the air. Absolutely. Because this is a community. We do take suggestions. We do take possible films into consideration. All ideas taken under advice. Right. But until then, I guess, this has been Thomas DJ. And this has been Derek Ferguson. Please stay away from the green goo. <laughs> Please do not inject your girlfriends and boyfriends with it. And if your doctor's name Herbert West, run like hell. Run like hell. Yes, he may sound like he knows what he's doing, but we all know. But anyway, I'm Tom DJ. And I'm Derek Ferguson. And whether you love it, whether you hate it, no matter what you do to it, Go Go see see that that movie. movie. Good night. Take care and God bless.
Devil's Graveyard has been, for 100 years, a place of horror, of gruesome murders, and of terrible mutilations. Life after life has been taken within its crumbling walls. For too long, the locals have allowed this place to take their loved ones. But one murder too many causes the family of a dead teenager and the local authorities to spring into action. Armed with little more than myth and superstition, the time for a showdown is long overdue. Can loyalty, love, and the indomitable human spirit overcome the evil that lurks and feeds among the graves? There are good things, bad things, and then there are cemetery things. That's the thing about death. Sometimes it just don't take. The Cemetery Things Cemetery Sweepstakes ends March 1st, 2008. By submitting your best photos of graveyards, tombstones, mausoleums, and everything else Cemetery Thing related, you can help celebrate the release of Keith Latch's new novel, Cemetery Things, in March 2008. First place winner will receive a $50 gift certificate to the bookstore of their choice. And second and third place runners-up will receive one of two $25 gift certificates to the bookstores of their choice. If not photographically inclined, you may also enter the contest by subscribing to the Campfire Tales newsletter and also becoming eligible for that $50 gift certificate. Visit www.keithlatch.com for official rules. And remember, Cemetery Things is coming. In March 2008. Come on, boys and girls. Come a little closer. I'm the reanimator. You will do what I tell you to do. You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Parker of Bend the Media, Dave, Super Ugly Grant, and the other geeks of ROMs, and the members of the Better in the Dark Yahoo group at movies.groups.yahoo.com backslash group backslash better in the dark. You know that thing we said earlier about not shooting up your girlfriends with green goo? We mean it. Really. No joking. Honest. Previous episodes for the show can be downloaded from betterinthedark.podomag.com. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, and pipe bombs to betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation. All material copyright Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that you should never rent a room out to a guy who first asks if your house has a basement. Get cops. Well, they'll stop what they do. Promise.